Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and today is Monday, and happy Monday. I hope you're having a great day, and hope you had a great weekend. Well, you know, I say that, but I don't know if I exactly mean it, because uh, I'm actually taking the day off. But I didn't want you to miss that episode that you so look forward to every Monday to get the show started with my friend and colleague from the great state of uh, Iowa, Patrick Albanese. So I thought I will record it uh, in advance of Monday so you can still hear it. And that way, uh, no one will be um, sad that he's not on. So, Patrick, welcome. Okay, hey, Bill. So, wait, now, wait, so I got to make sure I got this right. So, right now, it is not Monday. Right. We are taping whatever day this happens to be. We're so, not supposed to tell what day it is. We're right. supposed to pretend it's Monday. Yeah. So we're just pretending okay. it's Monday. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so, hey, Bill. Happy Monday to you. Yeah. Same. How about that game yesterday? Oh, the, uh, the one, oh, the game with the, they came from uh, behind. Yeah. And then they to shot win. A, a, at the very end. At the very end. And yeah. you thought, because they were behind, that they might not win. And then they go team is, is all oh, I can say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody and saw the, that coming because of that yeah. one play was unbelievable. Oh, I I just keep replaying it in my mind over and over. <laughs> I do too. And of course, it was uh, we 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 entered into daylight savings time, and I for one uh, am thankful for the uh, one extra hour of insomnia. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. And of course, right. I feel the sorry. extra hour. See, got because we turned the clocks back, so the one extra hour of sleeplessness might have been funnier to say. Right. One extra hour of sleep. Yeah. One extra hour of sleeplessness. Yes. How about the people that forgot to change their clocks and then got to church an hour early? Uh, that that they hasn't learned their to lesson. Me. They learned their lesson. Yeah. 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 Although, uh, I, for me, because of the light, you know, the, the the sunlight is suddenly there that wasn't there before. <laughs> that's true. So that's usually a giveaway for me. Like, hey, it's yeah. awful bright out for six o'clock. <laughs> yeah. No? Well, yeah. Well, you know, everybody so everybody wants to live a long, happy life. I, I think everyone asks from time to time, what are the secrets of a long life? And I'm always curious when I see something pop up in the news of someone who recently turned 100 and they give their tips as to what they said made for a nice long life. So I went on yeah. the uh, the uh, the uh, internet and I, I found an article from the UK uh, written by Carolyn Jones and she was uh, compiling a, a list of secrets for a long life. And I thought there were some interesting tips on here we could discuss um, now, on this oh, okay. Monday. Okay. Yeah, now, does she give you, like, uh, how much longer you could live? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Because, you, you... as you know, I don't I don't ask for much. I just want to live long enough to uh, see my kids walk their great-grandchildren down the aisle. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> right. all I'm asking for, just right. that. So here were some tips right. for a long life, and this okay. was, uh, you know, compiled by a bunch of people who lived long lives. And they uh, – uh, tip number one was it might be a good idea to uh, uh, drink some – some tea 
you know, maybe swap the coffee for a, a tea because of all the antioxidants that are in tea. So that's a, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Well, and I don't know if you're still drinking the yerba mate tea I introduced you to. I am. Uh, it's delicious. Thank you. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. So I, look at that. I, yeah. We just added a couple of weeks to our lives right there. I know. What a relief. That's nice. Here's another yeah, one I can't recommend tea. for uh, people who are listening, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, it's balance on one leg every morning. Now, I'm not going to suggest anyone do that without their doctor's consent, but I think that's not a bad idea. It does help. Okay, so I actually, I try that every day. There's a, there's a thing I do if, when I, I tend to get up very early, and then I'll head to the gym. And one of my tests, and I kid you not, uh, to see if I feel like I'm actually ready to go to the gym is to see if I can put my shoes on standing. So uh, I have to stand on one leg and get the other shoe on. Okay, and tie And then it. do the other shoe. And and I'm not great at tying it. Sometimes <laughs> I have to kind of brace a, a forearm against the thigh. Okay. And lean into a coat rack. But, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But if, if I can get a shoe on standing on one foot and then vice versa, I, I feel like my equilibrium is ready to go pick up a heavy weight and set it back down again. Yeah. I think as we had, quickly as possible. I think we had yeah. talked about uh, this test of being able to stand on one foot with your eyes closed, and wasn't it like for thirty seconds, which was turns out was harder to do than it sounds. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I remember reading that somewhere. I think we talked about this just recently, and uh, it's you know, I have a thing in my life I call the that I it's it's scoffing. Okay, I scoff. I don't know how you are if you scoff a lot. But do you sometimes read something and say, oh, pshaw to I that? Do. Yeah. Yes. You almost scoff like, are you kidding me? This is this is child's play. Yeah. And then you close your eyes, you lift up a leg and uh, you you're like Dorothy as the as the house is coming down on us. <laughs> <laughs> you are spinning. You go yeah. this. What happened? Right. How did that happen? Right. Yeah. Very difficult. And we do little things, little challenges. I know I go up uh, two steps at a time. And here at the studio, as I'm coming up the stairs to the studio, I always know when I'm three steps away and I take the last three steps as one step. Uh, So if my uh, colleagues find me laying on the ground, they'll know what happened. They know what happened. Now, see, that's why uh, that's where somewhat of an obsessive compulsive uh, a twitch of mine is I look for staircases that only have an even number of steps, so I'm never presented that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, before here. I do, because I like the two at a time as yeah. well. Yeah. Here's another one. Eat three walnuts a day. Walnuts are like the healthiest nut of all because they uh, they also contain a lot of disease-fighting things, antioxidants. That's a big word. I'm, I'm not a huge walnut yeah, but lover. But start um, becoming one. They're kind of tough to get into, aren't they? Or I guess you can buy them already opened up. I think up. they're great. I love walnuts. I see. I love pistachios and I cashews. Too. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. All right. Use a little less sunscreen, but don't get sunburned. In other words, there are some wonderful um, vitamin D that we we should be getting in our bodies. Of course, this article is written in the UK, and they get probably a little less sunlight than we do here than in we the US. Do. So yeah, maybe. Just uh, make sure you get that nice natural vitamin D from the sun, but don't get sunburnt. Here's another one. Do they uh, do they recommend a, do they recommend an SPF factor? They don't in this story, but I I would say because I yeah yeah like I like the if I'm going to use the tanning booth I like to use the fifty. You know I like to put a 
I need to put a good sunblock on yeah, for the tiny bit. You don't want to get laughing you know, at that. Get, yeah. I know. I, I, I use know. SPF no. 2 million. In other words, yes. I stay inside. Yeah, you're you're almost clear. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how, yeah. how light your skin is, yes. All right, here's okay. an interesting one, Patrick. Stop eating when you're 80% full. I thought that's Ooh. got some merit to it. It does, but that also means you have to slow down. Uh-huh, that's true. Because uh, now you come from a pretty large family. I come from a large family, and uh, survival is in speed. Yes. How, how swiftly you can put down the food to get a chance at some seconds or that, you know, that somebody won't take it off your plate right. before you finish it. <laughs> so uh, I was always a very fast eater, and... Um, for me to stop when I realize I'm at 80% full probably is when I'm actually 120% full. That's, you know, that, that thank that Thanksgiving belly you say, Oh, this hurts now. Yeah. In another 20 minutes, I am in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's That's where one. Sansa belt was really handy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Go to bed one hour earlier. If you can, of course, everybody knows how restorative and important sleep is, but uh, a lack of sleep can put you at a greater risk of health conditions uh, such as depression and heart disease. So um, get to bed early. Yeah, that one's, t- I mean, I, I actually get to bed at a reasonable hour, but I'm not a good sleeper. Uh, and that's uh, that has plagued me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, and, and you know how, if, if you're not, if those listening are not good sleepers, you know that that rare night, once every three weeks, when you get a good night's sleep and you wake up and you say, I I can take on the world today. Mm-hmm. This stuff is amazing. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> all natural. Yeah. All right. Here's one I know we'll uh, all agree on. Make sure you floss daily. Now, uh, every dentist in the world has this joke when, when they talk about flossing. They say only floss the teeth you want to keep. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a that's a. You know, those dentists they only have a handful of jokes, but they're all classics. They are classics. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the you four... know, four out of five dentists surveyed recommend sugarless gum for their patients to chew gum. The fifth dentist drives a Ferrari. Yeah, he so... makes a lot of money. Trust me. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's an interesting one. Uh, be a details person. So in other words, people who are careful with their money, they're thoughtful, they're detail-focused, um, they like to put things back in place. Um, that's an interesting... Uh, you know, habit and lifestyle, but those people have a tendency of living a little longer. Right. I, I guess that makes well, yeah. cause they're not going crazy looking for stuff. Yeah, that's probably, you true. know, their blood pressure. Isn't I mean, up. I, cause how often do you spend looking for stuff that you go, I shouldn't have lost this. I, so my wife was helping me organize some of my magician props the other day. And I said, I didn't realize how much stuff I had. And, oh, that's where that was. <laughs> and I, I, I think of every time that I have to go do a performance that I think, oh, I need, you know what I would be a great thing to do? And then I spend, sometimes it feels like an hour going, where'd I put it? Where'd yeah. I put it? Where'd I put it? And I go, it, it's stressful. It's very stressful. Yeah. So I like that idea. It's All a right. We've got time for one more before the break. And I think you're going to love this one, Patrick. Buy yourself a pet and preferably a dog. Your little dog Ace is quite a companion, quite a friend. But it says people who yes. have pets are usually are less stressed and less depressed because um, they have a very calming effect. And it can help well, you drop your blood pressure and reduce your risk of heart attack, according to the University can, of Minnesota researchers. 
Oh, I, I see that. I mean, you, you can talk to your dog about anything. You can use any voice you want. You know, it's always a cartoonish type voice too, isn't it? Uh, and it's funny you say, why do I talk to my dog like that? Do they really enjoy me going, oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. If you talk to a human being that way, they might, they might say, I got to go. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, your dog, you say, this is where I try out all the goofy things I'd like to try in life. Yeah. Let me try it on the dog first. And he's just loving it. I uh, know. Yeah. All right, Patrick, we're halfway through our list. So let me take a little break. When we come back, we'll knock that list off as we're talking about uh, the amazing secrets of a longer life with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. That, of course, is the music introduction from my friend Patrick Albanese, who helps me get Monday started. And again, Patrick, happy Monday. Monday. Yeah. I would like to add to your, by the way, your list of secrets to a long life is to watch Wizard of Oz at least once a year. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And vacation. Yeah. Yes. Take a vacation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, All right. Take, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I like that idea. I, that's something I know you and I both struggle with. We have to be reminded. I know. Uh, it's like, why don't you take some time off? Oh, you know, I mean, let's face it. Why are we doing this thing on Monday? Because we're afraid that if we weren't there on the actual Monday, that they might say, you know, it's kind of nice here without those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I and then they like might the say, we should do more of this. Either. Exactly. So, yeah, we're yeah, just. Yeah, we should do more of this. It was like, you know, well, let's just not give them the opportunity to see what it's like without us. Right, yeah. right. Of course, we are uh, recording this in advance of Monday, if you just joined us. Patrick Albanese is uh, the way I get my Monday started with a little bit of lightheartedness. We're talking today about uh, simple little ideas and, and uh, suggestions, secrets for a little bit of a longer life. This was compiled, uh, uh, an article that was in the U.K., and I liked this one, Patrick. It said, be helpful and lend a hand to others because helping not only feels good, but it gives you that uh, overall sense of well-being. It uh, helps stave off a little bit of depression. You'll you'll feel fewer pains and you'll have better general health if you're lending a hand to others, as long as you're not helping, unless you're them, helping them uh Yeah, unless you're helping on the move. Right, right exactly. Yeah. You're feeling a lot more pains. Yeah, right, you and right. I were both in the same spot on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, this one, sing a tune in the shower. You know, that old idea, This uh, a Harvard and Yale study said that if you sing in the shower, um, you know, it yeah. does promote a healthy heart and helps ward off depression. They found that uh, if you sing in the church choir, you're going to have an increased life expectancy. I thought that was interesting. Wow. Yeah, because it makes you that happy. Was so, and don't you, uh, they say you sound better in the shower. Always. Um I'm actually a much better magician in the shower, it turns out. How's that? Uh, so I, I don't know why it is the same phenomena, I guess. I guess it's just the acoustics. But <laughs> if I do card tricks in the shower, I'm, if I say, I'm really good. I'm really good in here. Yeah. But, uh, I've discovered that anyway. Okay. 
eat twice. So happier. The choir makes you happier. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just being uh, singing makes you happier. So if you're in in the choir, you're going to probably live longer, have a happier life. All right. Eat mm. twice as much fruit and veg. I, I've been hearing that forever. That's no surprise. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know why it's so difficult. I guess it's the packaging because those vegetables are disguised as vegetables. Right. <laughs> That's a little but bit difficult for me. But if you wrap them in bacon, then what's, you know, then it's good. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had something recently wrapped in bacon. I, I have no idea what the interior product was. It could have been a dog biscuit for all <laughs> I know. And it was delicious. I bet it was. It was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I think all it was right. a breadstick. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. This next one's going to sting. So you ready? Yep. Yep. Try to stop moaning so much. Oh, my. Optimists oh live 12 years longer than pessimists, according to American researchers at the Mayo Clinic. Pessimists are also more prone to illness and are less likely to carry out essential self-examinations. See, this will be, now this will be tough. And I, I didn't, I've been meaning to tell you this. I was recently diagnosed with early onset grumpiness. Really? And, uh, That's yeah. That's not supposed yeah. to happen and for they, a while. No, and they said uh, if you don't watch this, it could turn into curmudgeonly uh, before too long. Um, I, that that is the moaning. I, 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 I not the actual physical moaning, but they're talking about just the complaining, right? The, yeah, the disposition. The negative. Yeah, the negative disposition. Um, it is tough. I, I know that you know people that listen, they go, gee, these seem like these super positive, happy guys. But <laughs> if you knew us well, you would also know that we have our, our dark side where we can, we've had a joke for 20 years about awfulizing. Yeah. You know, and uh, my mom would often say, you are worrying about things that have yet to not happen. Right. Because 90% of them hurt. don't happen. Yeah, and and she says, you know, I mean, it'd be one thing to worry about something that was going to happen at a, but the things you're worried about aren't even going to happen. Right. And and you still manage to dedicate a little bit of time to that. I mean, yeah. at least procrastinate that thing and wait till it does happen. Yeah. Uh, and it is great advice. Now this is and one. At least, yeah, you'll live longer and happier too. Yeah. yeah. This is one I know you pay attention to, and it's to understand your family tree, learn your history. I know you've done that as far as your immediate family, of course, and some of your extended yes. family, which I think is a very smart thing. You've got some some issues in your in your uh, your genetic line, so yeah, that's good you do that. Yeah, and now my wife's got a, an aunt. I said aunt this time. Did you mean aunt or aunt? Uh, an uh, aunt? Yeah, she's an aunt in, in the family which one is that it? has aunt done. It's the it's an aunt. I think this would be an aunt. Okay. But she's dug into. She's gone back. She's traced their family history to like the mid 1800s when they arrived in Iowa and like lived in a. They would dig a hole in the ground and live in there in the winter. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> she's got it. It's it's really amazing, uh, and you can spend hours with her because she won't let you leave. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it gets pretty fascinating. You say, I don't know who these people are, but you've now gone back. I think four generations and. Who knows past grandma and grandpa? Maybe we should know that. I think so. I mean, you're kind yeah. of forgotten in three generations. I mean, you you know your grandparents. You may or may not know the names of your great-grandparents. And you probably yeah. certainly don't know the names of your great-great-grandparents. Right, so unless it was Andrew Carnegie. Right. And then you say, I, I know that guy. Right. Or, Ro or right. Mr. Rockefeller, you know. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's interesting. 
Um, I've, I've never done that family tree search, but it seems like it'd be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, find some good stuff there, I think. Yeah. All right. Here's this next one, which is going to be tough for many to hear. Watch an hour less TV a night. Now, it says after the age of 25, every hour of TV you watch could knock around 20 minutes off your lifespan. Is that including commercials? <laughs> I, I don't know. But in other words, your, really? your, your body is just sitting around a lot more. Your muscles aren't being exercised and your calories aren't being burned off. So it's a pretty simple mathematical thing. Well, uh, I think it's also so it says every hour of television you watch knocks 20 minutes off your life. Yep. After age 25. Which means that only about one out of three uh, programming hours is worth watching. Right. That's about what it works out to. I think the ratio. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, well, you know, I think you and I have talked about this even on the radio that uh, cutting out, just watching some of the news over the last couple of years has done wonders for your just disposition in life. And you don't realize that that constant drumbeat of negative, negative, negative that they sell uh, and mark and put out there for you really affects your mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so that's that's just good advice all the way around. You just not just for longevity, but for happiness. I think. Yeah, I read a Bart Simpson quote that said, "I watch uh, seven hours of TV a day, eight if there's something good on." Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I just watch TV for the commercials anyway. I always, I like, I love those car commercials where, you know, they so, show somebody doing like a fancy stunt and they say, uh, you know, this is on a closed track with a professional driver. Do not attempt this. And so I, I love that. They say, here's something this car can do that you are not allowed to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, they're, you know, here's something. Isn't this impressive? You can't do it, by the way. You're not allowed. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's another one. Um, Laugh at least 20 times a day because, of course, laughter boosts the immune system, slashes stress hormones, and all that. Uh, well, you know, I'm a firm believer. Yeah, I am too. Uh, a, a, a big, big believer in that. And, and you know, it's hard sometimes for comedians to laugh. Because we're, because we're always they're... thinking about stuff or we're analyzing it. We're not enjoying it as readily as we would if we were not comedians. Yeah, and especially if, if if we're watching a comedian, you know, we see them do a routine and we start to try to figure out the joke before they get there. I know. He's because so we think that's it. fun, we're not enjoying it. Right. right. And, of course, adults will laugh on average of 5 to 15 times a day. And, of course, kids, they've got this cornered. They've got this market cornered. They uh, laugh or giggle over 100 times a day. Yeah, it's we, we have these episodes with our two kids where they go into kind of wacky mode at night, and uh, it's it's really disturbingly loud, but it's just so full yeah. of joy and yep. laughter. The two of them making each other laugh. We say, "Do not stop this." Oh, exactly. Let it go. Who who cares about it's? We can't read a book. Yep. Just let them do it. It's yep. fun. And make sure that yep. you have uh, a a profound uh, faith in Jesus Christ. That's is one I'm adding. This is not in the article, but. This is how you live a, a long, joyful life and then a really joyful, eternal life. That's all the time we have, Patrick. Thanks for uh, being here on this day, which sounds like Monday to me. This feels like a Monday to me, too. Thank yeah. you. Have a great day. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. Well, now.
Welcome back to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. As Bill said before the break, I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner. And taking the reins from here as Bill has the rest of the afternoon off, delighted to be with you, delighted to be in studio with Pastor David Miles. Hi, David. You're part of the Monday Afternoon Mix here every Monday talking about Scripture. Great to see you. Yeah, Peter, great to see you too. Yeah, I understand you guys on these Mondays have been in the Sermon on the Mount for quite some time. Just remind our listeners where we are in this journey. Well, we are currently in the towards the end of chapter 5, but last week we had been covering the issue of retaliation. You know, Jesus said in uh, verse 38 of chapter 5, you've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, uh, you know, Dr. King said if you do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it needs a nation blind and toothless. Um, <laughs> but what it was getting at is this very common thing that we actually see in, in media and entertainment of our world, which is the issue of retaliation or revenge or retribution. And so that the idea is that when something happens to us, oh my goodness, like you did that to me, I'm really going to do something back to you. And uh, in our time over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, Jesus saying, no, that, 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 that the kingdom way, the kingdom ethic, is uh, more than that. And that's something that Jesus had been doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Because like in regard to murder, uh, Rosie, if you might remember, the basic comment was, the concept was do not murder. Uh, but Jesus goes on to broaden that concept to say that hating someone is the same as murder. And that our relationship with God is dependent upon our relationship with others. And then Jesus, in verses 27 through 30, he says the basic concept, do not commit adultery. But he broadens that to say that looking lustfully at someone is the same as adultery. And Peter, in regards to divorce, he says, you know, the basic comment is that a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. And Jesus broadened that to say that unlawful divorce and remarriage is the same as adultery. And then you know, a couple of weeks back when we talked about oaths, that the basic concept in verse 33 through 37 is that you must carry out the vows you've made to the Lord. And Jesus says, don't make vows. A simple yes or no should be your should suffice. And so last couple of weeks, we've, we've looked at an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth regarding retaliation. And Jesus says, no, turn the other cheek and do what do more than what is actually demanded. Hmm. You know, and Dave, so, I mean, these, these are exceptionally challenging teachings that Jesus is bringing to the table. This is not just about controlling some sort of observable behavior. This is about a state of the heart and a status of the heart. And I would say that this week where we're headed is no less challenging because this isn't just about avoiding hate in the heart. Now we're talking about cultivating the kind of heart that may even love your enemies. And David, I, I mean, what is this about? This is where we are today. Take us into this passage. Well, you know, Jesus jumps into this in verse 43 And he says, you've heard it say that it was said, you should love your enemies and hate, or you should love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so the basic concept that's happening here is that the law would say, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. And Jesus is broadening this concept to say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, And what's, what's amazing is that 
Jesus keeps going back to the you know Old Testament. And what's noted about this particular statement that Jesus is making here is that this wasn't even, I mean, like, this was not even, like, Old Testament. Like, Jesus is going way above and beyond. Like, this was not a practice that was commanded in the Old Testament. And he's saying, you know, no, the the, the kingdom way, and Peter, to get to something that you're saying, for those who think that this is just mere morality— and just having a great, you know, maxim for living. No, th- this is the truism of you. You can't live the Christian life apart from Christ living it in and mm-hmm. through you. Mm. It's impossible. And you know, today we everybody always talks about counterculture and all that kind of stuff. Really, what Jesus was saying with this Sermon on the Mount, but particularly this part, he was actually changing a whole culture, a whole culture. Yes. To turn it inside out and do something completely different. He was so radical on so many other fronts with how he treated women and everything else. But in this particular aspect of Sermon on the Mount, I'm thinking, wow. Wow. He really had something so big in mind. And I can imagine, like, it's hard for us to put our arms around it. But for them at that period of time, can you imagine hearing this? Well, you have to understand, too, the fact that here Jesus is writing... In the book of Matthew, and Matthew of the four Gospels, Matthew's writing to a very Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. You know, and contra kind of our, our perceptions of this, he's writing to basically a group of olive to brown skinned Palestinians that are actually under, you know, colonial rule from Rome, mm-hmm. from, from modern day Europe. And so, like, they're sitting, he's sitting like, hey, love your enemies. And you got Herod, you got Pontius Pilate, you have all these various people. And he's saying, you know, listen, anyone can love a lover. Um, and most people, Christian or not, can show love to those who show love. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this Irish prayer regarding enemies. The Irish prayer goes, may those that love us love us, and those that don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles, so we'll know them by their limping. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, Love that. And, and how, David, when we even get a prayer like that, or, or some of these challenging teachings, and as Rosie's talking about how countercultural it was, it was very countercultural for the Jews because they would have been anchoring their morality in their behavior. The Pharisees were sort of the best looking, shiniest group of the bunch. And mm-hmm. they're always concerned about what people thought of them according to how they behaved and acted. But Jesus is saying, this is an inside out life that I'm inviting you into. And, and how do you begin to cultivate the kind of life in which love is naturally, but supernaturally flowing from you from the inside out Let's just start for people that you actually do like. We're not even talking about your enemies, but how do you actually grow in the characteristic of love from the inside out? Yeah, I mean, this, again, is the whole dependency that we have upon Christ. And I mean, like, we're talking about enemies, but, like, you know, if I if I were to ask people, like, you know, who's an enemy that you have in mind, you know? And, and right now there's a light bulb going above your head and, you know, enough light bulbs to light up the U.S. Bank Arena, <laughs> you know, where I was last week when the Vikings lost and then they lost again this past week. They're quickly and, becoming my enemies too, David. Just the, the, the three hours oh, wasted on a Sunday goodness. afternoon, it happened again yet but this Sunday. they show Sunday. up with such heart. They've been doing they such do. a good job. They've just been losing by just a little bit. Yes, and it starts off so beautiful and I then know. it just ends so horrendous. But we've been saying this for 50 years with the Minnesota Vikings. It starts out so beautifully. So, yes. So, David, you're right. In terms yeah. of the number of people that we could identify as 
people that maybe we don't get along with, maybe mm-hmm. not just overt enemies, but people that we don't actually like to keep company with. Yeah, and I mean, like, that that's true. One of my very close friends from Ohio who was captain of the police force, he used to tell me, you know, David, the hap- you know the happy holidays weren't so happy because the domestic, you know, reports and calls that they would get as a police department greatly go up. And so what does this look like, Peter? You know, it, it's, it's the idea of having Christ being formed in us, you know, Christ being grown in us. You know, um, the Bible says, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. That's, that's our part. You know, that's the active form of sanctification. Then you have Philippians 2.13 that says that God works and wills inside of us to accomplish his good purposes. And so it's that need of Jesus and of being a community and of saturating and being in his in his word and saying, Lord, live the life that I cannot live in and through me and exhibit yourself. You know, one of the things that happens, Peter, is that sometimes we have uh, what's called the gap. And so the gap is this. you God calls you to do something, you know, And it may be like you getting along with your father-in-law, you know, or your cousin or whatever or Christmas. And you're like, you know what? I don't know if I can do that. And at the point of that and the point where God's calling us to exhibit Christ in the middle, that's the gap. And you're right. We can't do it. But Jesus is in that. And that's where he wants to carry us and to provide us what we don't have in order to love people that are seemingly not as lovable. Mm. And David, that gap, I think, is closed uh, perhaps when we actually begin to engage in that mysterious, though real relationship with Jesus. I talk with my students often and and ask them the question, so are you in relationship with ideas about God, Mm. which I hope you are, but are you maybe even more profoundly, are you in actual relationship with God? And, and it's that second question that is hard to define, but God is actually real, right? Yes. And, and so we can have actual relationship with God. And, and what does it mean to engage within that gap that you're describing? I remember a number of years ago that I might have been giving money to people in need and doing so because I knew it was the right thing to do. But I remember asking God a, a little bit of a terrifying question saying, you know, God, it seems like I should probably have a little bit of compassion for the people that I'm actually trying to support. Like, maybe I should actually grieve or cry over the things that they're grieving and crying over. Will you help me see this differently? David, when you invite God into those gaps, it's not necessarily the most pleasant experience, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, you get into the kind of the, you know, uh, discomfort level, you know, of these things because um, like likes like, and that's what Jesus gets into this. I mean, he's like, listen, um, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same, you know? And actually, you have to realize this is like a major, major, you know, insult. Because, you know, Jesus is like, um, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing that others don't? Do not Gentiles do that? And so, like, the first group of people that Jesus is addressing, you know, are these turncoats. I mean, like, these people who really... Um, really were despised by all of the Jewish people for extorting money. And the Jews hearing this would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. I know you're not comparing me to, to a tax collector, you know. And, and Jesus goes on to go uh, a little bit further, and he says, but pagans to Gentiles. And these were like God ignoramuses number one. <laughs> you know? They were ignorant of God's laws but at the same time, he's saying, hey, these guys greet each other. Now, we read that greet in the English language, and we don't realize that greeting in, in, in the Hebrew was shalom. 
Mm-hmm. It's the idea of of a peace that that is holistic that covers the whole of life. And so Jesus is like, you know, you know, you're doing that. And we've had this kind of issue of wanting to just be selective in that. Mm, David, let's leave it right there for just a minute. We'll step away for a short break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this idea of love your enemies. And I'd love to start with getting a working definition of what kingdom love actually looks like so that we can sort of judge ourselves in the midst of the gaps that we're trying to close as we begin to love our enemies. This is David Miles. We're having our normal Monday afternoon mix on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today. the hour. Welcome back to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today as Bill has the rest of the afternoon off. And Rosie, before we get back to our conversation with David Miles on the Sermon on the Mount and Love Your Enemies, we do have a promotion with some uh, Susie Larson devotional. Tell our listeners about this. Oh my goodness, Peter. Susie was on Bill's show at the end of October and it was amazing. Yeah, I listened. She has, it was brilliant. Oh, and she has a heart for getting ready for the holidays for Prepare Him Room. Um, is the name of her new book, and we are giving away two devotionals, um, two copies. So you get to have one yourself, and then you get to give one to somebody else. So just really helping other people to come into understanding the fullness of Jesus's birth and getting ready for that and, and the flurry of everything. So if people want to register to win, they need to go to myfaithradio.com, and you may be uh, the recipient of a book for yourself and for one to give away. No, oh, and I love the Susie Larson devotionals. I know I had a copy of a previous one of hers. And I mean, th- these have depth and substance and some they teeth. Do. They're great to wake up to in the mornings with what she writes. Right. And when she was on, um, she didn't, you know, she didn't pull back any punches. She she said, this is difficult. She'll ask you in this devotional to fast and to really get your heart ready, much to what we're talking about today in Sermon on the Mount this gap that um, we were talking about before break, only Jesus can do that in us. And so to invite Jesus into that gap, you need space. Sometimes you need him to um, bring you to the throne room yourself, a little personal accountability, you know, that you were talking about. Um, And so this is a devotional that helps you get there. Yeah. And David, we were talking before the break, obviously getting into this part of the Sermon on the Mount, this really challenging passage about loving not just those who love you, but loving your enemies as well. And you had a very interesting word to describe what it means to start living from the inside out, where this love that we have or this desire for the well-being of another person um, that never leaves nor forsakes, all of this kind of language of kingdom love it comes from inside of us towards another person. And so there is the word orthodoxy, which means mm-hmm. sort of right thinking. There's orthopraxy, which means the right practice. But you had a very different word that started with ortho that I've never heard before. Well, it's one that that's not actually my word. Um, I came across it in an article by J.D. Uh, no, it was by David French that uh, one of the pastors I know had sent me. And he was actually interacting over something that had happened recently with uh, J.D. Vance, who's author of Hillbilly El- 
LG, uh, and is running for office in Ohio, where I used to live. And one of the things that they were asking um, Vance was about those that he was electing, and he was kind of situating this us versus them thing. And finally, someone had asked him this this question in an interview with the American Conservative, and he said, "He said, I guess we're attracting the people who hate all the right people." Mm. And and French was making the comment of saying, "Okay, we've gotten to a point where we're actually saying that that's kind of right." And that was in Jesus's day. So, the particular individual, he said, he talked about orthodoxy, which is right belief, orthopraxy, which is right practice. But he said, "What about orthocardia?" which is right heart. I love that mm-hmm. word. I know. Yeah, say I more about that. that. Like, how did that strike you when you heard that word well, the first time? You know, I thought of just how, you know, incredibly powerful uh, that is, because even in the Sermon on the Mount, it's going beyond just merely the letter of the law, you know, right doctrine, and even beyond just right practice, because Jesus is addressing people when they're fasting or when they're praying and when they're giving. And Jesus is getting to the spirit. He's getting to the very heart. Now, in the Greek, cardia means the very seat of emotion. That's that's our decision-making center. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you hear things like what, what one author one athlete doesn't want to hear uh, another teammate say to him is that this person has no heart. Mm. And God calls us to love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, everything within us. And so the idea is that what we're doing, that our heart, our affections are, are, are engaged. One of my favorite words is, G, is the word compassion, which in the Greek is spalignochismai. I love it. It's like this. <laughs> Say it again. Just yeah. one more spalignochismai. time. I oh, feel like brilliant. I'm tiramisu or something like that. <laughs> it's just this very it rich. It is an Italian dessert. It doesn't indeed. It yes, sound like an sure. Italian, like rich Italian, but that's the word compassion that the uh, Samaritan had and that the father had for his prodigal son. And so it goes beyond just kind of going through the motion. It's one's emotive, the very whole of themselves is engaged in this. And French is making this part that we're in this very crazy season right now um, and kind of with a number of different things, be it political ideology, be it race issues, be it all these different things where people are starting to feel like it's it's okay to hate, you know. And, and they're like, you know, well, this person's my enemy. And uh, unbeknownst that we sometimes forget about this, is, and Jesus goes on to unpack this for us, is that he gives the reasons why. Because, you know, if we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that, purpose clause, henna clause, um, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So this is actually differentiating us from our friends, from our culture, from a whole bunch of things. It's actually saying... Who are you living like and whose family or kingdom ethic are you following? And he says, listen, for the father makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. And so that term is called common grace. You know, it's a, it's a term that, uh, you know, that's brought up in some of the systematic theology books that the idea that God just gives common grace. So like you're at home today and it's not like, you know, rain is falling on your side of the yard and hell and brimstone is raining on your neighbor's yard, you know, and for people who are driving in their car right now, that last heartbeat that you just took, that last breath you took is God's grace in your life. David, these are, again, this is, I keep going back to the word challenging. I don't have a different word for it today. It is very challenging to think about this on behalf of our enemies. I find it 
difficult at times to be living from the inside out and love for the people that I genuinely like to be around. But now we're talking about enemies who probably on a number of levels are driving you nuts, bringing pain into your life, bringing sorrow and suffering. But you just talked about then your sons or, and I would add daughters of your father when you do this. And I think the, the world is an enemy to God and, and what broke open the heavens and caused God to come. It was the love of God. It, it was this tender hearted, other centered, compassionate affection that desired the wholeness of the world, regardless of the cost to himself. And it cost him everything, obviously. Right. And so this is not about liking somebody else's behavior. This isn't being filled with mushy gushiness towards another person when they're acting in enemy-like ways. But somehow within a kingdom ethic, you're able to see with a different set of eyes that still desires the reconciliation, the shalom, the healing, the wholeness of another individual in the midst of it, which is why to greet an enemy with love versus this chain of violence and, and, and hatred just changes the equation and brings the gospel into the mix. Yeah, the beauty of the gospel, Peter, and you just hit upon this, is, you know, Romans 5.10. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And sometimes we don't, we don't tend to think of that, that we were actually, you know, enemies of God. And so one of the things that helps us in, is in, in dealing with people or addressing is remembering our standing before God. You know, that's why Ephesians 4.32 so beautifully says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Peter and Rosie and Dave forgave you. But the, mm-hmm. that, that's not what the text no. says. No. You know? That was a very different translation than I was used to, yes. <laughs> that, that was the King Bob version. Yeah. <laughs> the but, King Dave version. But it's, but it's like forgiving one another as, you know, what's just comfortable for the moment. It's like, no, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that thing that I have said before, you know, I'll never have to forgive a fallen and imperfect Tammy, my wife, more than a perfect and holy God has forgiven me. And that's before I took and put my feet on the floor when I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what happens is, and Scripture even talks about this, you know, those who have been forgiven forgive much. And often when we lack the capacity to forgive, we are greatly downplaying or diminishing just how how jacked up. Mm-hmm. Our, our our sin and our situation before a holy and perfect God is. Yeah, I think we just have a couple of minutes left here, David, but maybe speak to that a little bit with uh, us and with the listeners is it, to start cultivating this kind of heart of love. It is really intriguing when Jesus uh, meets the, the person who breaks the alabaster vial on his feet, this woman who just has a, a horrendous past and breaks this over his feet. And he says, you know, he who has been forgiven little loves little, but he who has been forgiven much loves much. And I think maybe one of the reliable pathways towards developing an inside out kind of love is to, without fear, be real about what's going on inside of us and in a non-fraudulent way. And then the grace of God meets us in that place. And we wake up like, whoa, we just experienced the love of the father. And now I've got first John on my head where it's like, we begin to love. Why? Because he first loved us. Yeah. And one of the things that would be helpful for us, and you know, we were, we were chatting about this in in a, um, in a, um, assessments class, for leadership development, I was doing it at my church the other day, us getting past Minnesota nice, mm. you know, and, and pretending that, that there's not, you know, issues that are going on inside of us. Now, uh, one of my wife and I's coaches, um, he talks about gratitude. And that's one of the things, like, it's hard to express gratitude for someone and hatred at the same time. Mm. 
you know, and literally try it. Try mm-hmm. to be like, oh, Lord, thank you so much for Rosie. Hey, Rosie, you can't do it. <laughs> you <laughs> can't even say that. You can't even do it. No, I can't. That was very inauthentic, David. Yeah. I know, thank because I, I love Rosie. And so, but it's like, you know, really, it's really almost literally impossible to express gratitude for someone and hatred at the same time. You know, and God constantly calls us to remember what he's done in our life and for us to center on that we're the chief of all sinners. I can't help but just think about that that phrase, the beautiful phrase, they'll know we're Christians. Why? By our love, right? And and this, again, does not mean that there's not wrong and right and good and evil in the world. Love does not mean that you, you, you tolerate all things. It just simply means that you press into all things in order that all things can be reconciled. I can't think of a better way in which we as a church can show that great witness than loving one another so well. Yeah. I love it. Well, David, thanks for joining us. I love the Sermon on the Mount series that you're in. This is uh, just great stuff. It sounds like you'll probably be in it for about another year and a half from, from <laughs> at, at the pace, right, Rosie, that we're yeah. going right now? <laughs> I'm like, we've been in this one for a long time, but we, it's so good. Yeah, there's, there's so, so much, much meat here. here. There's there is so much. so much meat in it. And so definitely looking forward to it and looking forward to what God wants to do in and through us because our God loves us. And if you're driving today, know the Lord loves you and wants to know you personally and sent his son that you might become a friend of God and not an enemy of God. No, David, I love it. Thanks again for joining us, taking us through the scriptures, just getting into the heart of God through the Sermon on the Mount. That wraps up hour one of Afternoons with Bill. Stay with us in a couple minutes. We'll be back over the start of hour two, and I'll be joined by best-selling author Ace Collins. We even have a couple books of his to give away. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.